talk to you about the mark of the family. Because the family leaves a mark, doesn't it? You know, when I'm together with my siblings, it's a lot of fun because I see my mother's expression come across the face of my sisters often. It's almost like being with her. Or I hear my dad's wisdom come from the voice of my brother. The family leaves leaves a mark, doesn't it? And there's other things like when, when my kids are together, when we're together with them, they tell family stories until we're basically laughing until we cry. Because the family leaves, it leaves a mark. My sons are still Miami Heat fans, though they live in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm still a Cardinal fan, though I haven't lived there since I graduated from high school. Certain things that, that stay with us. But there's also things that don't stay with us, isn't there? If you look at the entertainment industry and the and, after, and sports industries, it's seldom that, there's a few exceptions, it's seldom that the children of stars actually become stars on the same level. There's a few exceptions, but mostly that doesn't really happen. The mark of greatness in certain areas doesn't always pass to the next generation. If you look at Scripture, it's like that in the New Testament, less like it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God is doing something through his people. In the New Testament, he's doing something spiritually through his people. And you, you, like, you don't hear about the son of Peter or the son of John. You only hear about them. You do hear about the spiritual children of Paul, though, don't you? You see someone like Timothy and Titus, and you see spiritual children being born. The marks of following Jesus, that mark doesn't necessarily translate to the next generation. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about Genesis 17, verses 1 through 14. And this is where God puts a mark on his people. And it's the mark of circumcision. And everyone here said, why are we talking about this? And the reason we're talking about this is because it's in the Bible, and we preach through sections of Scripture, and this is the next chapter. We don't want to leave out because God didn't put stuff in his Bible for no reason. He puts things there for us to learn, for us to understand him, for us to see how he functions, and this is no different. He puts an identifying mark on his people. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. And before you check out, just let me tell you, there's going to be some interesting things that you're going to draw from this that's going to help you on your journey. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between you and me and may multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Now, let me pause there. Here's what's happening. If you're not up on where we are in the study, Abram has been called from his people, from what he was familiar with. He's called to leave where he was at and to go where God would send him. And God promises, he covenants with Abram, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless many people. I will bless every family on earth through you, and you will be a blessing. That's God's call on Abram's life. And so he goes with his wife and his family, and they go. They go to this land, and at this point, 
They've been in the land for 24 years. God made this promise 24 years ago, and he's still in a land that he doesn't own, and he still hasn't had a child by Sarah, although now he does have a child by a slave girl. And God continues to reiterate his promises to Abram. And so he appears to him, which I think would be really, really cool, don't you? For God to appear to you, say, hey, I'm here to say something to you. Let me tell you, if you have his word, God is saying something to you today. He is available to you through his spirit. Don't assume that because Abram saw God in some kind of a personal, present way that he has more access to you. Because remember, Abram doesn't know much at this point. We talk about here, God progressively reveals who he is throughout Abram's life, and that should be true for you as well. It's certainly true in Scripture. I mean, how much did I know at nine when I received Christ? I only knew that the Spirit of God was compelling me to receive this incredible gift of salvation, to repent of my sins, to go down and talk to the pastor and say, I, I want to be saved. I want to repent and be saved. And I, I, You just don't know very much, but thank God he continues to reveal himself to us, and that's what he's doing through Abram. Abram probably doesn't have much written, if any, written record of what God has said. But God keeps revealing, and he keeps telling him more and more of what he's going to do. Now, he knew that he was going to make his, uh, his offspring like the, the dust of the earth, stars in the sky. He knew he was going to create a great nation from him, but now he says, I am going to make your offspring into many nations, a multitude of nations, verse 4. And so in verse 5, he renames Abram. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Now get this. So Abram thought, I'm going to be the father of a nation that's going to bless the world. That's great. But now God says, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude of nations. God's promise gets more specific and even greater than it was before. It's really interesting. Verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between you and me and your offspring throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I will be your God. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, covenant means a promise. Um, It's a promise between two parties. They agree to do certain things based on an agreement of how each is going to act. And when God makes a covenant with his people, just know this, God is doing almost all of it. He really doesn't ask a lot of us other than to trust him. At this point, Abram has just been told, you're going to leave your land and go where I will show you. And that's all he really has done. And now God is saying, I'm going to make my covenant with you. I'm going to make my promise with you, and I'm going to make it with your offspring. It's not just going to be you. It's going to be the people that you that come out of you. 
And he said, the land that I promised you, I still promise you, you're going to get that land. You're living as a stranger in this land, but it is going to be your land. And this is how Abram's faith looked. He believed God enough to trust him to do what God had said. Verse 9. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between you and me and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in your flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from the foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. So God says to Abram, listen, I'm going to give you something to remember me, something to remember this covenant. I'm going to put a mark that is a sign of the covenant. It's important for us to know that circumcision is not the covenant. It is a sign of the covenant. It's something that helps them remember what God has promised to do. They are set-apart people, God's people, from which he will bless the world. Now, some of you might ask, why in the world would God choose circumcision? Every man in here is wondering that right now. Why in the world would God choose this as a sign? I love Tim Keller says, why didn't he just choose a tattoo? Something. Trim an earlobe. Cut a scar. Put a brand. I mean, it's, it's terrible to think about. But this is what God chose. And if, by the way, if you don't know what circumcision is, just, just look it up or we'll talk later. I'm not going to go into it. But God always has meaning. He doesn't just do random stuff that's just weird, that has no purpose to it. Circumcision has some very important meaning that we need to look at this morning that will help us kind of understand why God did this and how it points to the future and what God is doing today. There's purpose and meaning in circumcision. First, it is a public and a private reminder. It's a public reminder in that when someone would be circumcised at eight days old, it would be a public ceremony. And it was to remind everyone that we are a special people, a people that are Abraham's offspring. Let's remember this. God has told us to do this on the eighth day of every male-born child. So that part of it is public. But as my good friend Dale Faircloth says at Connect Church in Royal Palm Beach, he says, you know, but really it's private. It's private. I always wonder why God didn't do something more public. People could see you walk down the street. Oh, that's one of Abraham's offspring. He couldn't do that. It's private. Only the individual knows and remembers this is the mark that God has placed on me, that I belong to a special family, a special community. It was a private reminder. It was an individual reminder that I belong to this. 
it's not just this big group. I'm I'm responsible for my role as a part of this family. So circumcision was a public and a private reminder. And circumcision was also perpetual like the covenant. With every male child that's born, there was circumcision, which means that the promise of the covenant that God made goes on and on and on and on. It doesn't end with Abram. It doesn't end with Abram's death. And this was news to him. I mean, everybody that's born to me is going to be a part. Every male is going to be circumcised. Every family is going to consist of a male who's been circumcised. It reminds us of God's promise to continue to multiply forever. It's perpetual, like the promises of God. His promises never run out. They're not just for you. They're for your children. They're for every generation going forward. His, he is faithful perpetually. Third, circumcision is a sign and seal of Abraham's faith. It's a sign and seal of Abraham's faith. Abraham already had faith before he was circumcised. He, he, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness to him. He already had faith, and as a result of that faith, God put this sign, this mark on him, this seal on him, and on everyone that came after him, that Abram's faith made him righteous. Very important for us to understand that. It was because of Abraham's faith that circumcision existed. It became a symbol of his faith. Also, circumcision created a people from which God would bless the world. It's a people from which God would bless the world. They were perpetually marked, and God promised to use them to bless the world, and circumcision was a reminder of that, and it kind of set them apart as their own people. But also, and this is something we've got to get, and we can easily miss this, circumcision did not create faith in God. See, they couldn't take Abraham's faith and say, because I'm circumcised, I automatically have Abraham's faith. They only have faith because they choose to trust God like their father, Abraham. Circumcision didn't automatically confer upon them the faith of Abraham. It only puts him in a place where they very likely had good access to the faith of Abraham. Very important for us to understand that some people think that because of something that happened to them as a child, whether it's circumcision or child baptism, that suddenly they automatically have faith. So grateful so many of you have come and said, you know, I was baptized as a baby, but I want to come and receive Christ and be baptized after I have faith. I love those kinds of testimonies. Circumcision created a people that would bless the world, but circumcision did not create faith in God. See, Abram had a child by Hagar, the servant woman, Ishmael. There's no evidence that Ishmael ever had faith. He was circumcised, but he always opposed God's teaching, purpose. Can you imagine being Abraham, my son, who I circumcised? I, I thought there was going to be in my community, and it's a, but he wandered very, very far and constantly opposed God's teaching. See, Abram had a faith that depended on believing God and trusting that God would do what he promised to do. 
When we say have faith or we say believe, that's what we mean. I'm trusting God to do what he promised to do. See, circumcision was a sign or a seal that Abraham trusted God. Romans 4 talks about the fact that he received circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith even before he was circumcised. His his faith existed way before this happened. This was just a sign that he had faith. You see, in, in Scripture, we often see that not everybody who is part of the community of God, every, not everybody who's circumcised, not everyone who's a member of God's people actually has faith. Often we see that there's got to be just this, there's actually just a remnant often within God's people. See, the faithful are a subset of God's people. Even the people of the Old Testament, they weren't saved because they were Abraham's offspring. They were saved because they believed God and had faith in God and the promise that God would one day send a great king and a Messiah. So important for us to see that. But there's always a remnant within God's people. Isaiah 10 says, a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. All throughout so much of the Old Testament, God's people are so bad at following him cannot possibly live up to what God's standard is, but there is a remnant that has faith in him. And that's certainly the the situation when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, right, there's very few seem to receive him and get it and understand. Matter of fact, those who were the most learned were the least likely to receive him. And Jesus responds to them in John chapter 8, verse 44. he He says to the Pharisees, you are of your father, devil and your will is to do your father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his own character for he is the liar and the father of lies but because i tell you the truth you do not believe me these were the best of the best these were the ones who had the mark of the family they were circumcised they were they were educated they were leaders they were the people that everybody looked up to. And they did a lot of good things, but they didn't have the faith of Abraham. You see, doing good things, being part of the right family, being a part of the right club, does not make you righteous before God. You have to have your own faith. Later in Acts 15 and 16, Jerusalem Council met to discuss to decide is is circumcision necessary anymore and they decided that it really wasn't necessary to be saved because god had already built his people god had built his people through the the offspring of abraham and as a result of that jesus christ had come out of that to bless the world and that god had been faithful to his promise so the faith that circumcision was a result of abraham's faith And it gave access to people to have faith, but it didn't give them faith. So what relevance does that have for us today? Some might think that baptism replaces circumcision, and that's the same kind of a thing. And while there are similarities, circumcision was a result of Abraham's faith, and it happened after he had faith. But everyone after that received circumcision because of Abraham's faith. But today, faith 
is a result of your decision to trust Jesus. While others have given you access to the gospel, your baptism comes after you believe in Jesus Christ. That's why when we baptize next Sunday night at 5 o'clock in the non-shark-infested waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Amen? It's going to be fine on that one. Um, We do that to demonstrate and to illustrate what's already happened on the inside. We take people underneath the water in order to show that they have they have died to who they used to be and they have been cleansed of their sin and they rise up as a new person. Baptism doesn't create faith. It demonstrates faith that already exists. It doesn't, dem- it, you don't get baptism, you don't get your faith from someone else. It has to be between you and Jesus. That's why we talk about the mission of our church to make Jesus known. Our desire is not to be between you and God and to somehow be your connector, but we want to connect you directly to Jesus Christ. We want you to know him personally. We don't want you to be dependent upon us. We want you to be dependent upon him. This is why we don't baptize infants here. Because they can't have faith as an as a infant. They have to come to the place where they receive the gift of salvation and make that decision on their own. The best families in the world can raise children, and some of those children sadly, aren't going to follow Jesus. And I know parents, there's so many of you here experiencing that. It's so heartbreaking. But Abraham knew about that. His first son, Ishmael, apparently never got it. And you may be experiencing that today. Understand that you cannot give them your faith. You can only give them access to faith and demonstrate what following Jesus looks like. Give them access. Don't block it. And honestly, if you've been a bad example and your kid has walked away from God because of something that's in your life, you need to repent of that and love them. So what do I do today? Well, what you do today is you demonstrate Christ to them. You recognize that it's up to them to respond to Jesus. It's up to them. You can't save them on your own. Your kids, they may not develop a faith like Abraham's. But we must give them that opportunity. We must give them the chance to follow Jesus. We must expose them to the gospel. You see, we as a church or as godly parents, you're like Abraham. You're giving them the mark. You're giving them the access to the community that could allow them to have faith. But they're going to have to choose that on their own. Today, let me ask you this question. Do you have your own faith? Do you have your own faith? Or is there someone that your faith is absolutely dependent upon? Maybe a mother, a father, a mentor, a spouse, a good friend. And if that person falls, what would happen to your faith? So many great leaders have fallen. And when that happens, we always try to tell people, your faith didn't depend on you, did it? It depends on Jesus. Mentors and great leaders are so important. They can help us, but they can only give us access to Jesus. They can't save us. Your faith must be built on 
Jesus Christ, not on someone else. Has there that happened in your life? It's less likely in Florida, but in a lot of places, people have gone to church their whole lives, and the church is like the circumcision of Abraham. It's the result of someone else's faith, but everybody has to develop their own faith. I'm so grateful for this church and the people who've gone before, 112 years. All the great leaders that have sacrificed so this church could be here. The Jim Pignatos of the world, the Hack Allens, the Mary Alice Underwood, so many others have gone before to make this the place that it is. But that just gives us the opportunity, Pastor, to be making you. You still have to make that decision for yourself. And that decision is only possible because the Holy Spirit has come to you invited and said, would you follow me? Would you trust me? Would you repent of your sin and trust me to save you? Has that happened for you? If it has, we need to celebrate. And we need to celebrate the fact that we have that opportunity that God has saved us through a lot of other people. I would encourage you today, if that person or those people who had a key role in your life to follow Jesus, if they're still living, you need to you need to reach out and thank them today. Listen, thank you for the life you lived. Thank you for the opportunity you gave me. Thank you for the example that you were. We need to celebrate what God has done because he's given us the greatest gift we could ever have, and he's done it through people. He's done it through missionaries. He's done it through leaders. He's done it through parents. He's done it through friends. Today's the day. Don't miss the opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. It's the most exciting journey you'll ever be on. It's the most thrilling innocence you could ever have. It's the most amazing future you can imagine. Don't miss the opportunity to follow Jesus today. And also, don't miss the opportunity to let others know. If you have received this incredible gift, you need to let others know about that. You say, well, I have a hard time talking about my faith. I have a hard time sharing the whole story. Listen, let me ask you, what did you eat yesterday? What's the last thing you bought? What's the last pair of shoes that you bought? What's the last anything? I bet you could tell me all about it, where you got it, how much you paid for it, what kind of deal you got, why you chose that. You could talk about that, but you couldn't talk about something that Jesus did in your life. You say, well, I don't know how to explain everything. You know what? I bet you don't know everything about those shoes you bought. I bet you don't know the owner of that restaurant you ate at yesterday. But I bet you know enough to tell people why you did what you did. It's really all that matters. You don't have to be a theologian. You just have to just receive gift of salvation and have faith that is your own that you trust in him yourself and be able to share that that's all you really need to do you don't need a fancy uh, method you don't need a bunch of fancy words you just need to be real you don't need to convince people you don't need to talk people into it you just need to let people see what jesus has done i'm grateful that we all here today really bear the mark of the church because you're here. But I'm more grateful than that 
that we have hearts that have been marked. And I hope that's the energy in the room. If you're not sure about that, we would love nothing more than to talk with you about it. We do this every week, literally every week, often several times a week. It's the most fun thing we do. People say, you know what, I, I was baptized as a child. I really don't, let's talk about it. Let's talk, let's see what God is doing. Let's understand what's happening. That's so much fun because it shows that God is at work among us. Oh, don't miss what he's doing in your life today. See, what happens in just a few moments when you walk out of here is what we'll remember. Will you leave changed or will you leave the same? Will you leave as one whose heart is marked by God or will you leave with one who just has the mark of your ancestors as a kid? Don't miss out on belonging to God today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we confess that it's sometimes easier to have someone else's faith. It's sometimes easier to rely on great leaders or pastors or parents or friends. But God, we are so grateful that you make yourself known to us personally, personhood. And that you gave us signs and remembrances to help us know you. And that you, Jesus, came and paid the bloody price on the cross. That you were cut off for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for paying my price and for paying for the price of all those who would believe. God, for those who are wondering today, do I have my own faith? Lord, would you make it clear to them? Encourage those who do, but challenge those who don't. You died to give us this opportunity. We don't want anyone to miss out, anyone to be confused, for people to know you personally and individually. We praise you for making that possible. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?
done so much, Jesus. You've done so much. Whatever we're facing today, you've done so much more. You made provision for us in ways we can't possibly continue to work in us, Lord. May we give others access to your gospel. May we help others come to know you and to have that faith that results in eternity with you. Praise you and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 